0: Well, friends, um, I would like to uh, share with you that I, in levity, in levity, have suffered an unjust judge, okay? I make, make it clear that this situation I'm going to share with you is not serious, Um, but it felt serious at the time. My unjust judge is what I would call an unjust referee. And the story goes like this. Um, As some of you know, we came, Erin and I came from First Press Hayward. And for a couple of years, I was a part of a basketball league uh, of other churches. Um, and we had made it, our team had made it to the championship game, okay? It was a very tightly contested game, it was very close, it was very fun to play in, it was very competitive, there wasn't any, you know, wasn't dirty at all, it was just well-played, low scoring, good defense, just just a tough game. And we were up by two points Um, with about three to four seconds left and the other team called a timeout. And so we got back in and they sort of ran a play in those last three to four seconds that broke down. The play did not go as they wanted it to go. And finally, this guy just sort of chucks the ball up at the basket with a three-pointer and swishes it. It goes in. We lose the game. We lose the championship by one. They're celebrating. We are stunned. This has never happened to me. And then one person on our bench goes, wait, that shot was clearly after the buzzer. And we're like, it was? Are you sure? Are you sure? You can't just say stuff like that. Okay. And he was like, I'm pretty sure. And so we go to the ref and we're like, are you sure that was before the buzzer that we asked? And they wouldn't talk to us. The refs just like started packing up and leaving. We're like, no, no, no. You need to answer the question. This isn't just a shot. This literally decides the championship of the league. Are you sure? that the shot went in before the buzzer. And they didn't answer. They just said, shots good, shots good. And then we look, and about five feet from our bench is the video camera that's been recording the game. Yes, Ebony, where is the footage? It's right here. And so... That night, because the refs just packed up and walked away, we all got the footage. And guess what? The shot did not go in in time. It did not go off in time. The hand was, the ball was still clearly on the hands when the buzzer went off. We won. And did they reverse that championship? No, they did not. They did not reverse the championship. They let the call stand just as it is. And I was like, wait, what are we doing? I knew the organizer of the league. I was like, and one of the organizers on the league was on the other team. I was like, what are we doing? You clearly lost. Like we clearly won the championship, and they're like, "Oh, we can't reverse plays." I'm like, "Okay, so that means with a good conscience." Remember, this is a church league, y'all. With good conscience, you're just gonna sit here and be like, "Oh, we won," when everyone can watch the video and be like, "Nope, you did it." I'm like, I had like, it. I, I I I I fail to speak even now, like thinking about the way that this was such a miscarriage of justice. I fail to even express it now. (sighs) okay, I'm gonna calm down. I'm gonna get my breath. This is not serious. Thank you, Ebony. This is not serious. It was serious in the moment, but it got me thinking about this passage. And it got me thinking about this widow and it got me wondering in this non-serious moment where it was clear that I had a case against these circumstances. Like I was feeling very violated that the evidence was clear that something should happen different. And yet we are not doing anything different.
1: What is this widow feeling?
0: What is this widow in this parable feeling? Don't worry. I got peace. Don't worry. I'm good, y'all. I'm good, y'all. I appreciate y'all. This is great. Jesus seems to want to tell these followers a story about praying continuously and not being discouraged. Jesus seems to want to perhaps impart some encouragement on his followers on this particular occasion. Now, I will remind you that Luke, as a biography of Jesus, often does some reversing and flipping. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, Luke likes to center people that in that context, it might be a little bit scandalous to center. Luke likes to, like to create heroes out of people in ways that kind of flip the script, if you will. Luke also likes to highlight the ways that folks on the margins actually experience something deep about the presence of God and about the love of God. So Luke's a bit of a kind of subversive situation. Um, And Luke 18 as a whole is a chapter that has an extended discussion on what it means for the people of God to pray. And I will just sort of give us a sense that like prayer in the Jewish space had some components. I'll throw out some words for you. And prayer in the Jewish space was uh, certainly both communal and individual. It was an act that was about people coming together, but it was also an act that gave people space uh, to meet God in their own stories. It was both of those things at the same time. Prayer in the Jewish space, one of the things that is most striking to me is I call it imagination maintenance. (laughs) Prayer in the Jewish space is really about tending to our imaginations through, number one, remembering who God has been in history, who God has been in our ancestry, but also resting in our worthiness of God's love, care, compassion. And justice, right? It is this space where we sort of tend to the fullness of our imaginations so that we can continue to live in courage and generosity and kindness in the world. There is an assumption about prayer that this activity of kind of tending to our imaginations in community and individually is directly connected to how we exist in the world. This act of meditation is really also an act of participation, right? And so it makes me wonder, why is it that Jesus is encouraging them to pray continually but sort of juxtaposing that with being discouraged and it is interesting to me because uh the original kind of language for that word discouraged is actually this feeling of giving up right it's a word um it's a word that and i will make sure i get this right in secular greek It was used to describe a warrior who would shrink their responsibilities or turn cowardly in the face of conflict, right? It is describing someone who, upon meeting challenges, basically sort of gives up, walks away, and says, I don't want to do it. And that feels interesting to me. It feels like like there is an encouragement here to not quit. There is an acknowledgement that there might be a loss of courage or energy, that there might be a sinking into fear. And it makes me wonder once again, what is it that Jesus is observing in these folks to tell them this parable, right? And I actually think the parable makes it plain because I feel like Jesus is actually describing real life to them. (laughs) I feel like Jesus is saying, I understand the conditions in which you live right now that make the act of sort of tending to your imagination communally and individually very challenging. This unjust judge in this parable is not like far from regular life for them. (laughs) This unjust judge is a character they would recognize in the midst of these folks living in the Roman empire. They recognize that the judges are simply proxies for imperial force and for the emperor, They recognize that these judges have the power to basically decide whether or not they will experience justice. And they recognize that justice is really named as rightness according to the will of the emperor and the desires of the 1% who control 95% of the wealth and influence in the empire. So them seeing this judge, they are instantly invoked with this energy of like, oh yeah, that's just like the judge down the street. That's just like me having to walk to city hall and contest this violation.
1: They know this
0: judge. Jesus knows that their constant marginalization their repeated denial of justice, that them living in a system designed to work against their flourishing, and the tyrants who keep winning, that's just a part of what they experience every day. Friends, would that not result in some discouragement? Not simply a discouragement from prayer, but a discouragement from prayer and the life that would flow It becomes hard to tend to your imagination if the tyrant keeps trying to infect your imagination and tell you, I'm God. You got to worship me. You better center your life around what I think is right. It
1: becomes difficult to move forward.
0: This is not a discouragement about talking to God. Somebody knows that when things are going wrong, sometimes it can be easy to talk to God with a lot of cuss words and a lot of uh, yelling and, (laughs) and a lot of incredulous statements. It can be easy to talk to God, but it can be very difficult to move to a place where you are continuing to engage in a life believing that there is flourishing and goodness for you enter the widow because the widow is our hero. Like I said, Luke likes to take Luke likes to sort of kind of describe, uh, the, the kingdom of God and put folks at the center that that current society has shoved to the margins. Here we have this widow who says to this judge, who's clearly described by Jesus as unjust, grant me justice against my opponent. And this widow hears no, a lot, probably for years. And let's be real. Like, because of what we will discover later, it's likely the case that the judge knows the opponent and the judge feels like it is better. It is sort of better for me to say no to this widow than to say no to the opponent. And maybe the widow's opponent is putting some cash under the table to sweeten the opportunity for the judge to say no to the widow. And look what happens. This widow just keeps coming. Grant me justice. No. Next day. Grant me justice. No next day grant me justice and eventually it says and the text the text obscures the feeling here it said the judge says i will give this widow justice because she keeps bothering me otherwise there will be no end to her coming here and embarrassing me in fact Really, if you sort of look at the translation here, the judge feels as if this widow's persistence is in his body. He feels like he's being bruised. The translation of these words is as if he is being turned black and blue. (laughs) Like literally in his body, he feels oppressed by this widow's persistence. He can't stand it anymore. He's got to just say, look, whatever bribe you were paying me opponent, it's not enough. This persistence is hurting me. I have to make it stop. That is literally the only reason the judge actually changes his
1: mind. It's the only reason. There
0: is a way in which when I think about sort of Jesus's encouragement uh, or desire for us to not be discouraged, and I think about the conditions under which these folks might be feeling like, what does it mean to pray and why should I tend to my imagination when the tyrants and the empire keep trying to tell me that it's not worth it, that I'm not worth it. That is a kind of discouragement that I feel familiar with. I feel familiar with that discouragement in my life as I have had to reflect on the effects of institutional and individual violence, racialized violence in my own space and in this country when I have to reflect on the ways that people are trying to change a conversation about affirmative action, I feel discouraged. When I see the ways that folks are trying to create a new Jim Crow applied to queer folks in this country, I feel discouraged. When I think about the ways that I exist in this world with neurodivergence and the way that it becomes harder and harder for me, the more that people want to extract things from me, being in a black body where I have been sort of labeled and named for what I could extract from the ground, I feel discouraged. I feel like I don't want to do anything because not only do I wonder if I can do anything about it, but really what I feel in my spirit is, am I worthy of experiencing justice? Yes, I am angry. Yes, I'm upset. There even might be rage, but that all settles into a sadness a sadness that slows me to the point of a halt because I wonder if creator
1: believes that I am worthy of compassion to turn these things around. Do you know what this kind of discouragement feels like, my friends? I began to
0: sit in this all week and I just kept rolling the question around, how would this parable help me to not be discouraged? And so there are a few things that I would that I will put forth before you, and I wonder what your answers would be. Um, But there are three things that kind of began to roll around in me. Number one is the parable itself. The judge, in fact, because the fact that Jesus would even illuminate this judge tells me that it's actually my spirit working correctly to be able to identify the tyranny among us, it is my spirit working correctly to feel a sense of dread about the evil conditions in the world. Friends, some of us know that we can get to a place where we gaslight ourselves into minimizing what injustice looks like and feels like. We get to a place where we lose the language to describe how evil it is that we would restrict healthcare access for those carrying children in their bodies. We know we we can lose the ability to have the fullness of that energy. And so this parable says, no, 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 don't lose the energy. The terms and conditions under which we might be feeling discouragement are real, and they deserve clarity. This judge gives us permission to call what is unjust,
1: unjust. The next thing I consider is this widow.
0: I consider this widow and I consider the act of imagination maintenance. And I consider the fact that this widow is choosing to go back to the judge again and again and again and again. And what strikes me is that this widow clearly believes that she is worth justice. That she is worthy of experiencing this opponent go down in this case because they have no case. She sees that there might be bribes. She sees that the judge is clearly not interested. But you know what she does? She says, I don't care. I don't care. Me coming back
1: is a reminder of what I deserve. Of who I am of what I know I need.
0: This widow and and her persistence really speaks to the way that I feel challenged in this to continue to perform maintenance on my imagination, to continue to remind myself that I am worthy of justice. That I am worthy
1: of mercy. That even though these tyrants try to tell me otherwise,
0: that I do have a story. A story in which there is goodness and hope. And that brings me to Jesus's response. And he uses some words that are interesting. Jesus says in the response, won't God provide justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? This is code speak, friends. This is what I call Exodus code speak. Jesus is invoking their ancestral identity in this space and saying, listen to the unjust judge, but you look at the widow because the widow reminds you that you belong in a deep, rich story of people who have experienced the fullness of tyrants and who have cried out to God day and night. In Exodus 2, it says the Israelites were still groaning because of their hard work, Their slavery, they cried out, and their cry to be rescued from their hard work, slavery rose up to God. God heard their cry of grief, and God remembered God's covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This line is an invocation of their ancestral identity. A reminder that they belong to a people who know what it is to cry out to God and for God to bring relief and justice. They have a story. A story that Jesus is reminding them to remember. Once again, this is an encouragement into imagination.
1: And why? Why is it
0: that Jesus would be encouraging this? Because of that weird question at the end. (laughs) This is how we will close. It's a weird question. But when the human one comes, will he find faithfulness on earth?
1: I find this question
0: strange because at first it seems like he's taken a dig at the people he's speaking at. (laughs) He's laid out all the ways that being sort of um, that, that staying encouraged and staying engaged is challenging. And then we have this seemingly sort of like, you know, digging question, like, But will the Son of Man find faithfulness?
1: It feels kind of teasy. But part of
0: what it also feels like is, uh, if I flip the coin a little bit, I hear Jesus's desire.
1: I hear Jesus's longing.
0: Jesus is on this road, especially in Luke, as Jesus tells the story of God and lives out the story of God and does a lot of reversing and does a lot of recentering. There is a way that that, that work becomes challenging <laughs> for Jesus. Challenging in a way that we know will cost
1: him his life. And as I
0: think about Jesus um, kind of crying out, uh, reminding these folks to continue to pray, I think Jesus is encouraging them, stay engaged, stay engaged. And I do think in part that Jesus is likely feeling a little bit lonely in the journey as well. In the midst of the way that Jesus clearly understands that justice can come, but it's not here yet. The way that Jesus is engaged with the work. I think in this human moment, Jesus is wanting to know that God's people will be with him. And in this way, faith is not a test, friends. Faith is not a final exam. Faith for Jesus is uh, an
1: expression of connection. It's a shared
0: vulnerability. In as much as the people of Exodus hear God saying, "I remember the covenant," this is sort of Jesus's way of saying, "I remember the covenant," and I want you all to remember that I am here to keep a promise. And I'm inviting you for us to do
1: this thing together.
0: Faithfulness is allowing our nurtured imaginations about God and ourselves and all of creation to keep us encouraged and engaged in the midst of the
1: tyrants raging.
0: I find prayer to be very challenging, mostly because I feel like the tyrants keep trying to tell me that they are God (laughs) and that they are super powerful.
1: And I find them telling lies about us, about who we are.
0: And perhaps this encouragement uh, this morning Uh, To not be discouraged is one that gives us space to name clearly what evil looks like. To name clearly who we are and who God is and from where we come and the stories that give us life. Which perhaps can give us the ability to take another step.
1: To move another day to not lose heart. May it be so. In the name of Jesus. Amen.